Welcome to another edition of Believe in FSU Basketball. This is your one and only Nick Andre. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I hope that everybody had a really good and productive week. Thank you guys once again for listening to episode one. It was a blast being able to do it, and I hope that you guys enjoyed it as well. Um, we are coming down to the wire of basketball season, but we still have some games to go. Um, conference play is right around the corner uh, for the women's. It starts next week. And for the men's, it starts shortly after. But we still have some games that have to be played in the regular season before everything is decided. And both teams, the men and women, both had games that took place throughout this week. One got a win. One got a loss. But at the end of the day, we're here to break it down. First, we'll start with the women who played last night. Uh, they went to Louisville, Kentucky, battled, battled against the number 22 team of the country, the Louisville Cardinals. And unfortunately did not come out on top. They ended up losing the game 70 to 55. Um, the high score of the game tonight, Latin had 18 points followed by Michaela KK Timpson who had 17 points. And let's, let's just keep it real here. Um, give credit to Louisville. You know, they dominated the entire way. Um, they got off to a really good start. And one thing that stood out to me was the fact that they established themselves down low early in the game. They had a few, they had a few possessions where they got off in transition and they got to the bucket then they had possessions where they got the ball to the post players on, on a low block to establish themselves inside and being, being able to score under the basket. So everything as far as for Louisville was all paint touches and just being able to find high percentage shots. So you have to give credit to them from that aspect. And even early in the game, Louisville got off to an eight to an eight another start. Brooke Wyckoff calls calls a quick calls a quick timeout. And one thing that I was telling myself as I was watching the game and as timeout was going was what's going on was I think Florida State has to figure out how to match that same energy. And the one person that can be able to do that is Michaela K.K. Timpson. I feel like it was necessary for her to get paint touches and for her to be able to establish herself, especially going up against a matchup against Olivia Cochran, who has proven to be one of the best bigs in the ACC. She's just a spectacular all-around player, can score inside, can score outside. On top of that, uses her size tremendously on a defensive end to be able to disrupt offensive players. So I knew in order for them to get back into the game early in the game, they had to run the ball through KK Timpson and they were able to do that. She scored eight points, I believe in the first quarter. And once she really started getting good looks inside, that's when you saw them. That's when you saw the momentum change for the team. And that's when you saw the confidence start to come in. They had a lot of good defensive possessions where they got, where they stopped, um, where they stopped uh, the, the post entry passes, where they stopped, uh, where they got into the passing lanes and they were just able to force turnovers. And then that obviously led, led to easy, easy baskets, you know, underneath the basket. Um, Tanaya had a good, um, had a few buckets um, in the first quarter as well. Um, I know Amaya Bonner had a, had a fast break layup as well. So even though they got off to a really slow start in the first quarter, they were able to climb their way back and then the time the game. Second quarter, the, the momentum continued. Um, Amaria hit a few, Amaria Gordon hit a few shots, you know, to put him ahead, but Towards the end of the second quarter, it was all Louisville. They finished the first half, I believe, on a 19-2 run. Um, Sydney Taylor for the team just went crazy from three-point range. And I think that was really it. And another thing that Louisville did tremendously that we have to acknowledge is they got second chance points. Um, they they dominated the rebounding in this matchup 57 to 32, and it had 17 offensive rebounds. At the end of the day, you know, when that rebound margin is that much of a difference. More times than not, that team is going to win, and that team is definitely going to have control. So give credit to Louisville for just being able to 
be be able to be, be in control of the boards because Florida State is also a pretty good rebounding team as well. And for them to and for them to have that big of a rebounding margin was really big in this game. Um, and that was really the difference maker. Um, Louisville went up 17 at the half. Um, the momentum, the momentum ended up continuing for them in the third quarter. And even though Florida State did go on a small run towards the fourth quarter, you know, at the, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, it was, it was it was just too far, a little too late. So give credit to Louisville for this win. Um, unfortunately for Florida State, I feel like this is one that, that they needed because they came into this matchup. They were tied for third place in the ACC. And this team should want to have a double bye, you know, coming into coming into the ACC tournament. But unfortunately, you know, they weren't able to get the job done. So now they are ranked at seven, I believe, in the ACC ranking. So they do get a single bye. Now they do play this Sunday against Clemson. That'll be the last regular season game. And that'll be the last game at the Donald Tucker Center. So this game against Clemson can be very important because one thing is, like I said in, in the last episode, the ACC from top to bottom, everything can fluctuate. So depending on what type of game it is or, you know, or what time of moment it is, anything can change. So Florida State could get a big win against Clemson. Right now they're seven. They could jump right back up to possibly three or four. So that's just how much – that's just how good the ACC is, and that's just how tight the race is. So Clemson on Sunday is going to be a really, really big matchup. And they already beat this team before. Um, they beat this team in early January. I want to say it was the fourth game of the ACC conference game. Um, they were able to take advantage of that one. So they already know and they already understand how to how to beat this team. But a few keys that have to that they have to adjust. I think that they, they have to adjust defensively, um, possibly run some more zone coverage, or just possibly you know just being able to slow down the shooting because I feel like shooting wise, I feel like over the past like recent weeks, it just seems like teams have just been able to shoot at a high clip. And I know that Louisville did not necessarily shoot well. From the perimeter in this game, I want to say they shot like three, like three for fourteen in this game from three point range, but still not giving any team momentum from the perimeter, and then also being able to being able to, being able to limit um, easy easy possessions inside as well. So, Florida State um, they have a few days to go back home and adjust. Um, it'll be very very crucial for them to figure out how they get this win against Clemson, especially to close out the season on a high note. And also, I understand that it's senior night as well, so they want to send their seniors off on an, on a high note, but this Louisville game was really important. And, and like I said, give credit to the team. You know, this team has been really good all year. They're definitely one of the top contenders in the ACC. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, Florida State just was not able to get the job done. But, hey, at the end of the day, there's still an opportunity to make changes and make adjustments, and let's see how they respond on Sunday. Now let's dive into the men's team, who just got a big win on Tuesday at the Tucker Center against NC State. This was a big one for them because this is a team who coming into this matchup lost three of their last four games um, as people who have been watching the team all year. It's been an up and down battle, you know, in conference play. So with the season winding down, they want to get back on the right track. And they definitely did that in this game against NC State. And even coming into this game, I had some concerns because I figured out I wanted to figure out how they could slow down their. NC State's half court offense because they move the ball really well. They run the offense, especially if they're if they're if like whenever they're running the offense through DJ Burns, I feel like that's that's when they're at their best because he's a terrific low post scorer. He has tremendous footwork. You know, he can score in multiple ways. He can also kick it out to open shooters as well. So that was one of my biggest concerns. And I'm gonna say defensively, I was really impressed. I was really, really impressed. They held DJ Burns to no points in this matchup, only shot two shot attempts. 
And when I went back and look at the stats, I was like, hang on, this seems weird because I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not really a guy that pays attention to stats throughout the game. I'm more so locked in and focused on the game itself. I'll go back and look at the stats later, but during the game itself, I'm not necessarily that much locked in on like, st- like statistical numbers or anything. So when I went back and checked out the stat sheet, the box score, and I saw that DJ Burns had no points, I was actually shocked because I had no idea. But Florida State had a really solid first half. I really love the way that they were moving the ball. I love the way how they were scoring a transition, you know, being able to feed off one another. Um, you know, one of the guys, or a few of the guys, in my opinion, who I feel like were really big factors in the first half, of course, Jameer Watkins with his ability to attack and showing his improvements to score from the perimeter but also Chandler Jackson as well. Chandler Jackson was also another guy that I was really impressed with, you know, just being able to be that big punch off the bench and just be able to make big defensive plays, but also being able to push the ball himself in transition and being able to score inside. So that was another thing as well. Um, Then of course, you know, Darren Green Jr. He got into the mix. He knocked down some three point shots. Uh, We saw a lot of pick and roll action with Cam Corrin. We saw some pick and pop with Deontay Green as well. So overall, this team was really locked in. But also give credit to NC State as well because they they found a way to keep themselves afloat in this game. DJ Horn had a really good shooting first half. And I must say, even though he was shooting the ball really well, I felt like Florida State was doing a really good job defensively on him as far as contesting a shot. But at the end of the day, he's such a gifted scorer. So, you know, he was able to get a lot of those shots off. Now, second half-wise, I didn't think that he was as strong as he is. But then again, that's where a guy like Jaden Taylor had came into play, and he really kept the team afloat throughout that second half as well. And then, of course, give credit to guys like Muhammad Diara as well for being able to clean up under the gra- under the glass, um, excuse me, just being able to score inside. But the one thing that stands out with the Florida State team getting this big win over NC State is they figured out a way how to overcome adversity in the second half and figure a way how to close games. And that's just remaining disciplined on both ends of the, of the court, especially defensively. And I feel like that's something that we didn't see with this team early in the season. So that's why they had those big losses to Georgia or they ended up blowing a double digit lead to Colorado, even though they still won that game against Colorado. You know, it was still it was still moments in the game where you feel like Colorado could have came back and won. And I feel like one of the one of the moments where I knew that Florida State was a lot better at, you know, being able to play under pressure, being able to overcome adversity was in that game against Miami because Miami. I want to say they were up double digits uh, throughout some some parts of the second half, but then you saw uh, Miami slowly crawl the way back into the game, and it, I, I think it even got to the point where they where they uh, where they cut back to a, uh, to a single possession. But you found, but the thing about Florida State is that they found a way to remain disciplined on both ends of the floor and just figure out how to close contests. And in this matchup against NC State, we saw that Jameer Watkins continued to do a spectacular job applying ball pressure on the perimeter guys just being able to force turnovers, just being able to finish inside on, on the offensive end. And another guy that deserves his love as well is Primo Spears. I feel like Primo Spears, he was another guy who was a big punch off the bench. And it wasn't just a scoring, it was just playmaking as well. Like he was, he had that ball on the string. He was really figuring out how to feed open guys. Um, there was a lot of plays where, you know, it was like a connection with him and Cam Corrin and they were able to, find one another, especially, especially, you know, with, with Cam Corn being able to be a rim runner, just be able to run to the basket. Um, so Primo's versatility on offense was a really huge piece in this game. And then, of course, we all know how great he is at scoring in the mid-range, especially coming off of ball screens and just being able to elevate over, over multiple defenders. So Primo was a huge spark in this game. 
and part of the reason why, you know, they were able to get that win. Also, I mean, I've already mentioned Jameer Walker. He, he shot 8 of 11 in this game, probably one of his more efficient scoring nights, you know, that he's had all season. But this was a really big win for Florida State. Um, I love the fact that they were able to find a way to get back on track. They have another matchup this Saturday coming up against Georgia Tech, against Damon Stoudemire's crew. So, you know, the ACC, you know, I know people people talk about the ACC and men's basketball. And, you know, it, I'll be honest, it's not as strong as it once was, you know, in years past. I mean, you know, and I mentioned this in the last episode. Um, obviously, the Blue Bloods, North Carolina and Duke, they're going to be at the top of the helm. But after after those top two, it's like, you know, it really fluctuates from three on to the last team or to the, uh, to the last few teams. So the ACC is not it's not a sleeper. And even Leonard Hamilton um, talked about this in his postgame interview, saying that, you know, the ACC, you know, this really it's really a competitive conference and that, you know, you always have to be locked in. Um, one of the things that he also mentioned that I really found impressive, especially as as the regular season is winding down and, and they are going into conference tournament is they have to figure out how to slow down teams three point shooting. And I love that from him because he understands how valuable teams have been able to utilize the three-point line with against Florida State. And it's crazy, too, because we have such a very – or Florida State has such a very versatile defense where we figure that we would be a lot better at closing out on shooters. But it, um, not, not, and not saying that it hasn't been that case, but also at the same time, it seems like, you know, a lot of teams, they do shoot a really high percentage from three um, in these matchups. So – you know, that's something that they're definitely going to continue to keep working on throughout this, uh, like throughout the closing of this regular season. And then, of course, in conference tournament and going up against Georgia Tech this Saturday is going to be a huge one. You know, let's see if they could possibly get two in a row. And then after that, uh, they have another week of regular season play. And then they close it on uh, this next Saturday going up against Miami at the Tuck. So these next these this next week is going to be really crucial for the men. And let's see if they could possibly find a way to close the season out on a high note and find a way to really carry some carry some momentum in the conference play because I think once we're able to once we're able to close off these last three games, I think that'll be really big for them. So I'm really excited to see, you know, where this team can go. This was a big win for them on Tuesday against NC State. They really needed this one. And like I said, I mean, I'm just excited to see, you know, where this team can go. A few more topics before we get out of here. Um, it's not an official schedule, but um, I'm trying to figure out how to really explain it, but the 2024-2025 technical schedule. I'm, I'm just going to say technical schedules because I don't I don't necessarily know what to call it, but technical schedules came out for both the men and women's team, and it shows us who is going to who they're going to match up against at home, and who they're going to match up um, in away games as far as ACC play. So I'll start with the men's first, as I already have it pulled up. Um, so for the home games, we have Clemson, we have Louisville, Miami, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Syracuse. SMU, who is now going to move into the conference. They are on the AAC now, but now they're moving to the ACC. And then we have Pitt, and then we have Notre Dame. And then uh, the away games, we have Clemson once again. We have Louisville, Miami, Boston College, Cal, who is also, because for people who don't know, the Pac-12 will be gone after this after this season. So now a lot of teams from the Pac-12 are going to have to move, and Cal is one of those teams that had to move. Stanford is one of them, and we have to play them on the road as well alongside Virginia, Wake Forest, NC State, and Duke. So these are some really good matchups to look forward to. Um, I love the fact that we're adding in some new teams into the Pac-12. Um, Stanford, Stanford's been a decent team in the Pac-12 as a reason. I'm not going to say that they're top-tier contenders because for the most part in men's basketball, the Pac-12 hasn't been as strong, um, especially when you talk about a lot of great 
great programs, whether it's USC or um, or UCLA or Colorado or whoever it is. Um, give give credit to Arizona. Arizona's figure, Arizona's really held down the Pac-12 all season long. You know, there was stretches this this year where they were number one. I want to say they were number one for like maybe like a good month or so, and they're still one of the top contenders in the country overall. So now we have two two Pac-12 teams in Cal and Stanford. Cal Cal has been you know they've had their ups and downs as well. I've watched a little bit of them throughout throughout the season. But they're not necessarily as strong. But then again, I mean, this is this is next season. You know, I can't can't talk about this season, you know, because next year it could be a whole entirely different story. So, you know, we still we still have the same the same rivals. Miami's obviously a huge rival team. Um, and we were able to beat them once already this year on the home floor, and they got to come back to see us again next Saturday. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what's next for this uh, Florida State team, especially going into this 2025 or 2024, 2025 season, excuse me. But like, you know, just looking at a lot of the teams that that Florida State is going to play, you know, these should be some really fun matchups. Obviously, Duke's going to be a fun matchup. Obviously, North Carolina is going to be a fun matchup. Um, Same thing with teams like Notre Dame, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech and then Louisville as well. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see you know, what's next for this team. And I mean, just looking at it now, you know, I'm really excited about, <laughs> about what next season has to come, but now let's start with, uh, but now, now let's go to the women's side. Um, at home, you have Miami. Once again, you have Pitt, you have Clemson, you have NC state, Wake Forest, SMU, Stanford. Uh, it looks like Louisville. I want to say yeah, Louisville. And then you have Duke. Then you have away. You have Miami. Once again, you have Cal, Stanford, uh, Georgia tech, North Carolina, Boston college, Notre Dame, Virginia and Virginia Tech. Um, so I'm really excited about this. Uh, Miami's a team that we beat twice. Uh, Miami's definitely a team that we beat twice. We beat Pitt, even though that Pitt game this year was just crazy because we were up 23 at halftime. And then I don't know what happened. Pitt just went on like a crazy run in the, in the third quarter and was just able to really – and was just able to bring the, bring the game back to like two possessions, I want to say. And that's that I mean, I'll be real. That's that's one of the weak points for the women's team all season long has been third quarters for the most part, like especially throughout like early, early in the season where they where it seems like, you know, they have a strong first half, but then coming back out of the locker room, they seem to lose momentum. But, you know, we were able to get that win against Pitt. Um, and then we got some other great matchups as well. Like NC State is going to be another fun matchup. Um, unfortunately, we lost to them in overtime early, early in conference play. But that was still a really fun matchup. Um, Notre Dame was another fun matchup where where we went into double overtime a few weeks back. So still a lot of fun matchups in this, um, in these, um, in these uh, conference schedule, man. And I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, what the, what the next season can unfold for the women as well. And the last topic, before we get out of here, I always have to finish off the episode with my segment titled Noel as a pro, where I dive into some former Florida state players who are thriving at the professional level or has some, or has some big news that took place. And on this occasion, we're going to talk about former point guard Trent Forrest, who has now signed a two-way deal with the Atlanta Hawks in the College Park Skyhawks. Shout out to Trent Forrest, first and foremost, by the way, an A50 guy. Um, he was the, uh, he he was raised in Chipley, Florida, which is literally like probably like 35, 40 minutes away from me. So shout out to a guy who has been from the Panhandle, and then of course being able to carry what he delivered in high school to Florida State was a really good point guard for the team. Um, in the NBA, he's had he's had his ups and downs. You know, I think he's been still trying to find his footing in the league. But I think now this is a big opportunity for him in Atlanta because 
Um, Atlanta just actually waived Patty Mills. And now Trey Young is hurt. Trey Young is out for, I believe, like three to four weeks. So this could be a really big opportunity for Trent Forrest. You know, he's a really big point guard. You know, he has a really high cue for the game. I know that perimeter scoring has been one of his weaknesses, but he's a terrific all-around playmaker. And I'm not saying that he's going to start it. I'm not saying he's going to start by any means, but he could really be good in the second unit, being able to run the floor and really being able to uh, control the offense. Atlanta is a team that has a lot of really good shooters. So if we can just find a way to put pressure on the defense, you know, just being able to just being able to be a great playmaker, set other guys up on the perimeter, or just, just being able to find guys off backdoor cuts or whatever it is. I think that he could be really valuable to this, uh, to this team. So, um, you know, he, I mean, he's already been in Atlanta before. Um, he's already played a few seasons in Atlanta before, you know, and he spent most of his time in the G league, but now he has that opportunity now to showcase his, his, uh, his value in the NBA. So I'm really excited, you know, for what's next for Trent Forrest. Um, you know, this is a guy that I've been rooting for for a long time. And now that he finally has this shot at being able to play at the NBA level, I want to see what he, I want to see what he's going to be able to do next, but that's going to wrap up this episode. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in with me. Um, I'm really excited about this podcast, you know, just being able to get it off the ground. Um, this is only episode two, but I feel like we have, I have so much more to do with this podcast. I'm going to bring on a lot of great guests. I know it's been me solo, but I promise I'm going to bring on some guests, you know, as the weeks continue, but expect more content, man. Expect more content, especially with March Madness coming on, with conference play coming on. Um, I know that there's a slim chance with the men possibly not making the tournament, but at the end of the day, who knows? You know, it's not official yet. We still have to wait for selection Sunday. So for no fans, let's try to keep the hopes alive that it can happen. But definitely as for women, there's no doubt there's no doubt about it. The women are definitely gonna get into the tournament, regardless of if they're still ranked or not. And like I even said in the first episode, this is a team that you don't want to see in March Madness. Um, I know that they lost last year in the first round to Georgia, but we also gotta acknowledge the fact that Tanaya Lassen was not there. Uh, she ended up getting hurt and was not able to play in the conference tournament or March Madness. So now we have our star player that's fully healthy. And like I say, you know, this is this is a team that's going to be scary. I know that we just ended up taking a loss to Louisville. But at the end of the day, you know, one thing about this women's team is that they always find a way to bounce back. They always find a way to, you know, look at, you know, a lot of things that they did right and a lot of things that they did wrong and just being able to adjust. And that's why I'm such a big fan of Brooke Wyckoff, because she allows her players to understand that. And the same thing with the rest of the coaching staff. So. You know, I'm really excited, you know, for this next month. You know, we're about we're, we're at the beginning of March um, and we still got a lot to do. And I'm just excited to move forward, man. But make sure to follow me on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Nick Andre ATR. Um, and make sure to check out all of my content, especially regarding Florida State. I also write articles for Chop Chat, who is affiliated with Sam, with uh, Fanside. So make sure to please check those out. Uh, one of my more recent articles was on KK Timpson and how she's close to breaking the record for double doubles or actually tying the record. Uh, with Natasha Howard with uh, Double Doubles. And I have another article on, Ch on Chandler Jackson, which will be out very soon. But once again, thank you guys for, so much for listening. And I hope you all have a good day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.